Okay, if you would turn your Bible this evening to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first five verses. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The title of the message tonight is A Person of Christ. A Person of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We pray as we look into the word of God tonight, as we consider the person of Christ. I pray that you would help us to grow in our understanding of him and a closer relationship and fellowship with him. For our good and for thy glory, we do pray. Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> James Smith, in his series of book series called Handfuls on Purpose, said this quote, The opening words of this chapter are among the most profound ever penned by the hand of man. Unquote. They reveal to us the true identity of the person of Christ. And it, was, it is essential that we understand the person of Christ, or all our doctrine will be seriously flawed. If we don't understand the person of Christ, we may be lost. So tonight I want us to look at several things as we think, of, you know, it says we're going to start a series on the incarnation. This is part of the first, first message. And so as we consider the person of Christ, I'm going to look at, uh, I have one main point and then four Subpoints, four or I guess it's four, yeah. Uh, and that is his relationship to God. And we'll look at some other things later, but uh, in another evening. Uh, so, first of all, his relationship to God, and we see here several things. First of all, the duration of Christ. In verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Of course, the phrase there, quote, in the beginning refers to when creation came into existence. But it does not refer to when Christ came into existence. It simply refers when creation, what we see, time began. That's the idea here. It's the same as in the, uh, given to us in Genesis 1-1 where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's the starting point, you might say, of the written word, but it is not the starting point of Jesus Christ. If you notice, verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. Uh, he was So he was before time began, uh, and Christ's existence is not limited to time. You know, he is the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. John 17, 
in verse 5, in his prayer to his father before he was crucified, he said, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So the glory that he had with the Father was before the world came into being. So it was before time. It was before creation. So he preceded creation. Matthew 5, or not Matthew, Micah 5, 2. But thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. From everlasting. Of course, speaking about Christ. Remember when he was speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, in verse 53 to 59, he says this, They ask him, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who makest thou? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him, and if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, to us, that saying might not mean much to a Gentile. But to Jew, they understood clearly what he was saying. He was the, and the, you know, the, 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 the title of God, you remember Moses asked the Lord, Whom say ye that I should say sent me? He said, Say, I am. The I am has sent you. The self-existence one, the existent one. The one who existed before time, before creation. And that's Jesus saying before Abraham was, I am. He is that one. Then they took up stones to cast at him, and but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You see, he existed before Abraham, and Abraham rejoiced to see his day. You might say, when did Abraham see Jesus? Well, go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Now, now this doesn't prove that Jesus existed before creation, but it does prove he existed uh, before he was born as a babe in a manger. Genesis 18, and verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him. Now, what's significant about that word or name Lord there? What's different about it? It's all caps. It's all caps. And when you see that in your King James Bible in the Old Testament, the word Lord, or even the Old New Testament, the word Lord, all caps, it's Jehovah. And Jesus is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. So the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. In other words, he appeared to Abraham. Uh, and again, you see in verse 33, it says, And the Lord, the same, same words, all caps, went his way, as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Now this, of course, Abraham had tried to intercede for Lot uh, and for Sodom, 
And, and so this is, this, this Jehovah, when you see that capitalized, Jehovah, Jesus is Jehovah of the Old Testament. In fact, look at chapter 22 and verse 11. It says, And the angel of the Lord, again, all caps, called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Now, look, look at verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord, all caps, the mount of Jehovah, it shall be seen. So in the mount of the Lord, in the mount of Jehovah, it shall be seen. Now, the Jehovah Jireh means God provides, and the, and the, and the, the thing that, that we see here in this chapter is, you know, Abraham said in verse 8, the Lord would provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself as a sacrifice for sin. And he says, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And many commentators believe that same mountain that Abraham offered Isaac is the same mountain where Jesus was crucified. So on Mount Calvary, it would be seen. It would be declared, it would be manifested to the world that he was the sacrifice, substitutional sacrifice for sin. It was on that Mount Calvary that the Roman soldier said, truly, this was the Son of God. This was the Son of God. And so we see clearly the duration of Christ. He was, in the beginning was the Word. He was already there. He already existed. Because he is eternal. Secondly, we see the dwelling of Christ. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God. His dwelling place from eternity past was that he was with God. Now this refers to more than just living near or beside but it refers to a living union or a living communion. One commentator said this quote, in the statement is that the divine word not only abode with the Father from all eternity, but was in living, active relation or communion with him. Unquote. So there was, there was consistent and harmony and unity between the Father and the Son. And of course we see this, you know, they, they work together. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but in Genesis, it says the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And then it says, and let us make man in our image. Us and our are plural words. So what you have there is the Trinity at work in creation. See, there is, there is perfect human unity and harmony within the Godhead, and the Lord Jesus Christ dwelled with the Father in closest possible fellowship that one can have. Speaks again of perfect unity and perfect harmony. In John 10.30, he said, I and my Father are what? We are one. We are one. In John 14.10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. In fact, here, John chapter 1, verse 18, 
it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared it. Now, that word bosom speaks of being close to one's heart, like a child laying on the bosom of his mother. It's comfortable. It's at harmony. It's at peace and rest there. A good example of a relationship like this, as close as we can understand in human relationships, would be David and Jonathan. They were in agreement. Totally. So much so, that Jonathan took off his royal garments and, and gave them to David. In other words, Jonathan was in agreement with what God was doing in the life of David, and he was willing to lay aside his own royalty to make David king. And David's desire was that he would become king, because after all, God anointed him to be king. So they were in unity. Why? They were in unity with God and unity with one another. That's why they had such a close relationship. They had one purpose and one goal. We would say today, they were bosom buddies. They were unified in their purposes and their intentions. John eight twenty nine. Jesus said, He that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not let me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Even in Proverbs, the Old Testament, Proverbs 8.30, Then I was by him, as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. And you know, you and I can enjoy that same kind of fellowship with him, you know, John, 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that, that is walking in obedience to the word of God, the light and understanding that we have, as we walk in light, as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So his dwelling was with God. Again, that speaks of Harmony of unity, of oneness of purpose, of oneness of mind. And so we see his duration. He was before time. He, his dwelling was with God. Thirdly, we see the deity of Christ very clearly declared here again in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was God. And again, I, I would say probably this is the most important statement in all the New Testament. Somebody said, quote, The deity of Christ, if discredited, causes the collapse of Christianity. Unquote. You know, the first two parts of this verse imply this truth, that, that he is God. You know, if, if you're in the beginning, if you're before time, you know, you must be God. And, and if you are dwelling with God, you must be God. But, but, uh, but this statement makes it very plain. The Word was God. Now, there are many who deny this truth or pervert it. Unitarians teach that to worship Christ is idolatry. <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses, or Jehovah's False Witnesses, as they should be called, 
deny it, and they've made their own translation of the Bible to discredit it. I happen to have one here. I keep it on my poison shelf in my office, out of sight where nobody thinks I'm reading it. But anyway, in their their version of the Bible, in verse 1 of John 1, it says, "In In the beginning the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, and here's the difference, a God. And the word God is not capitalized. See, they believe that Jesus was a created being. The first of created beings. And they believe that Jesus at some point in time, you know, after the, or, or at the resurrection, or after the resurrection, or after the, you know, the, his, his death on Calvary, at some point in time there, he became a God. But he's not God. <clears throat> Look at Revelation 1 8. <clears throat> Excuse me. Revelation 1 8. Revelation 1 8. Says, let's look at verse 7, 7 and 8. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come. And then it adds this two words, the Almighty. Now, very clearly, the rest of those uh, those two verses all obviously refer to the person of Christ. But it declares him to be the almighty God. I remember an evangelist one time showed that, preached on that, or taught that uh, in a meeting I was at. And when I was in Maine, <clears throat> I had visitation when I had run into a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, and I took him over to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I said, you don't believe that Jesus was God in the beginning. Who's this referring to then? He said, well, I'd have to look that up. I guess he's still looking it up because he never got back to me about who it was. Um, no, it's, 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 it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is God in the flesh. Henry, 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 Harry Emerson Fosdick, who was a very popular liberal, wrote a book entitled The Hope of the World. And in it, there was a chapter entitled, quote, The Peril of Worshiping Jesus, unquote. And which he declared, of course, his hatred for the doctrine of the deity of Christ. But, you know, the main reason I believe that people hate this doctrine is that it enforces the Lordship of Christ. It declares Him to be God. It declares Him to be the Lord. It declares Him to have authority. And it's authority that men rebel against. You know, mankind has been forever rebelling against the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They refuse to bow. They refuse to submit. 
But one day all men will submit or will bow. You know, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and every that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. See, you know, we really have a choice. Man has a choice. We can bow now. And we will bow then. Or we can refuse to bow now and we'll bow then and be cast into the lake of fire. You know, how can a person be saved and he not be Lord? Acknowledged or recognized as Lord. Even the Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself should give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And if you go to the New Testament, we understand what that name means. Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great was the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And so, we see very clearly here the deity of Christ, that He is God. He was God. He always will be God. And to reject the deity of Jesus Christ is to reject the person of Christ and is to be lost in sin. You know, I've heard preachers say, it doesn't matter if you don't know about heaven, if you don't know who God is, you don't know this and that, you know, you just need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know? How can you say it if you don't know who He is? He's not just a man. He's God. The God-man. You see, the Word was God. Then I'm going to the fourth thing here. The designation for Christ. Again, and isn't it kind of interesting, you know, we don't really talk like this, but in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, the Word was made flesh. Now, how many of you named one of your children the Word? Word. Hey, Word. But this, this designation, of course, is not our typical Word, Word. It's capitalized. And it's only used by John. It's not used by any other writer in Scripture. And John uses it six times. Three times in this verse, and then in verse 14, he uses it once in 1 John 1, and then he uses it again in Revelation 19, 13, where it speaks of the one coming on the white horse with a sharp sword out of his mouth, and he has a name written. Word of God. The Word of God. You see, a word reveals the thought of a person by speaking the thought. You know, we kind of reveal who we are by our words. We reveal what we think. What drives us by our words. 
Who we really are, we reveal by our words. And calling Christ the Word, or the Word of God, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, as it's referred to in Revelation 19, means that Christ is the great revealer, or you might say the spokesman for God, or the Godhead. In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> Hebrews 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So God has spoken to us, you know, in the in times past, he's spoken unto our fathers by the prophets, and, but now he has spoken unto us by his son, it says, whom you know, he appointed heir of all things and whom he by all whom also he made the world. So again, there's an agreement with the verse, what we just read uh, in John there, where he made all things by him. But he's also, he's spoken through him. Uh, that's the idea of revealing himself through him. He's also the express image of his person. That word express image, that those two words mean the exact expression, the image of any person or thing, the marked likeness, or precise reproduction in every respect. So, when Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He meant what he said. I am the perfect representation or image in every respect of the Father. You know, my sister... One day, you know, there's, you know, milk price, you know, she's, her, her, her husband have a dairy farm. Milk prices ain't so good, aren't very good, haven't been for years and keep, continue to fluctuate. So, you know, they've considered trying to sell raw milk. And so, she knew a relative of my, ours, that started selling raw milk on the, like a year or two ago. So one day, she was over in Big Valley and she decided to, Stop in and see him. She hadn't seen him in years. Like, I haven't seen him in years. I know who he is. You know, his, his dad and my dad were, I think, second cousins. And uh, she told him who she was, and he said, Yeah, I knew you were a violent. I could tell by the way you walk. She said, I don't know what it is about the way we walk, but I guess there's something about the way we walk. You know, they always said you could tell about it, you just can't tell them much. But there, but there's, there's an image that goes along with, you know, in our family. Um, you know, I, I remember my one of my other brothers who, he looks a little different than the rest of us, but, you know, we all have an image, and, and he was talking to this guy that Dad used to trap with. And uh, he said, don't you know who I am? He said, no, I don't. He said, I want to jump. You're trapping buddies, boys. He said, oh, I should have known by looking at you. You know. Again, there's an image there. In John 1.18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, 
which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That word declared is a Greek word from which we get our English word exegesis, or we might say exposition. It means to explain, to make known. See, Jesus made known God. He made known God to the world. G. Campbell Morgan said this, quote, Exegesis is the authoritative bringing forth into visibility of that which was there all the time, but which was not seen until so brought forth. Jesus is the exegesis of God. He is the one through whom is brought forth authoritatively into visibility the things men had not seen, unquote. So Jesus is the it has revealed to us who God is, what God is like, His attributes, His person, His love. All these things God Christ has revealed to us of the Father. And they can be clearly seen. And He was revealed to us that we might have fellowship with him. See, that was the purpose of the revelation of Jesus Christ. That was what God, why God revealed himself to the world in the person of Christ, was to redeem man and bring him back into fellowship with himself. So we might have fellowship with him. Right, go to First John. First John chapter one and verse one. That which was from the beginning, there's that phrase again, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Again, think about the word word of life here, that designation. The, 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 the making visible the person of God. That is the word. He is making visible the person of God to us. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. So again, it's, it's visible. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which you heard of Him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 
He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we, know we that we are in him. See, Christ revealed, God revealed himself in the person of Christ, so that you and I could have fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. That we can have our have our sins forgiven and walk with him, walking in the light of his word. He says in verse seven, if we walk in the light, you know, we, we need to walk in what we know to be right now. That's walking in fellowship with the Lord. In fact, verse 5 there says, Whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. That speaks of a progression. A progression. In other words, this, this, this fellowship should be getting fuller, sweeter, closer, and more unifying as we walk with the Lord. See, Jesus Christ is God. And it is He, through Him, that God revealed Himself to you and I. Through His Word. Yeah, we don't have to see Him. We don't have to see Him with the eye to know what He's like. You don't really have to see people with your eye to know what they're like. You just have to listen to them talk. Because their words reveal who they really are. And God has revealed Himself through His Word. Through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that you and I can have fellowship with Him. Have our sins forgiven. And that we can grow in our fellowship and relationship with Him. The question tonight is, do you have that fellowship with Him? Is that fellowship being perfected? In other words, are you growing in your relationship with Him? Your God desires. Notice it says that He that keepeth. Again, as we learn of God through His Word, we ought to be obeying it, and that will that will grow or perfect, make our relationship, our fellowship with Him, closer, greater, more full. So, are you being perfected in your fellowship with the Lord?